Today is our last Sunday in Ephesians, and I'm not quite ready to say goodbye. I'm kind of sen- feeling a little sentimental about it. I, um, this, is, this is the first biblical book that our... But this, this last part that we're getting into is really great. So um, let's all find Ephesians 6 in a Bible. Um, we have a few more at the back Bible table if you need a hard copy one. Um, but Ephesians 6... Remember, uh, do you guys remember at the beginning, some of you were there for the beginning of our journey through Ephesians, and I got 3D glasses for everybody, and we like took a group picture and all all that. Um, Remember how you couldn't actually see anything in 3D when you put them on, it just gave you a big headache? Yeah. So like there was like the idea I had, I was like, this is going to be so cool. I'm just going to, yeah, we're going to kind of go back in time with stereoscopic vision with the red and blue lenses and everybody was just they put them on for like three seconds and they're like okay no we're good so there was the idea it 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 seemed like a great idea in my head but I was hoping that that could be a symbol for um, us as like what what Ephesians can do for us that it's like a this set of glasses it becomes this new way for us to see Um, Because there's some things at work in our world that, um, like the video we just watched, if we don't have eyes to see them, uh, Paul wants us to know we're not going to have a full grasp on reality. And he wants to give us the full grasp on reality. And so this final word from the Apostle Paul is opening our eyes to an aspect of reality that um, lots of people don't even acknowledge, but also lots of people don't even know exists. And it's the reality of spiritual darkness. And so if you'd read along with me in Ephesians 6, I'm at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all kinds of occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. If you would, um, just place your hand on the text and, 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 and pray with me. Uh, Father, may the, the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Um, open our eyes to see the, the truth of what um, in, 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 in first church to know about and wants us to know about. We want to live in, 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 in tune with ultimate reality as, as it really is. And I also just pray for these friends of mine, whatever kind of week or day that they've had, it's even just a battle sometimes to just get here on a Sunday morning. But I think just there's so much here that we just heard from Paul that confirms the reasons behind some of the, the weird things that have happened for us this week or even this morning. Um, we don't want to be naive. We don't want to be um, hassled and not know where that's coming from. We want to live in, in your power and in your strength and in your wisdom and also not to be afraid, but to trust that, like, like your, your word says, that the one who is in us 
You're, 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 you're greater, you're stronger than the one who's at work in the world. So open our eyes, give us great strength and, and hope today. I pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so the first thing Paul says is finally, um, but don't, don't read that, even though we're at the end of Ephesians 6, don't read that word finally as like in conclusion or just like one last thought. This word means from now on, like here's, here, now, in light of what I'm telling you, now everything changes and from now on, and so from now on, Paul says, because you belong to Christ, in light of everything I've, I've been telling you, know that you and I, we're engaged in a battle. And it's a battle that Scripture tells us has been going on since the, the, the opening pages, um, almost since like page two or three, depending on your, on your Bible. And all throughout the history of the people of God, right up to the present time, there's a battle. And this battle is not with other human beings. Not really. Um, the real struggle is against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Uh, now just imagine the, the faces of your friends right now, in light of what I just said, uh, would, would you get strange looks from them if you talked like this? They're like, hey, what, so what was, uh, what did you guys talk about on Sunday? Uh, I got, I got, uh, I, did, I, I had no idea how to bring this up with my barber this week when he was like, hey, so yeah, Sunday's coming, even, what am I going to do? And I, I it, it, it just, uh, I, I was like, how do I even, where do I even start? I don't know. <laughs> so, um, because most people in our lives, um, live from this two-dimensional view of reality. Um, all, as far as they're, con- they're concerned, there's, there's the human dimension, what you and I can see and feel and experience with our five senses, and then there's this material, physical environment, what I can measure, what I can experience, and supposedly every possible question out there, every issue that's going, uh, swirling around uh, and affecting us can be explained and solved by something in those two dimensions. But then uh, you and I, we, and we've got some stories, we've got some examples where if, if, if we dug a little bit with, with each other, uh, you would go, hey, this is gonna sound weird, but, and then you and I would have a story where there was something that could not be explained by just those two dimensions. Um, the biblical view of reality is at least four-dimensional. There's the human dimension, and then there's the, 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 the material, physical environment, but there's also, there's also the heavenly dimension where these spiritual forces exist that, that Paul names. He calls them rulers, powers, authorities, spiritual beings. These are different ranks of angelic uh, spiritual forces. There's different ranks and categories as far as authority and influence. And, and then um, there's the living God, the living God, and then this, this heavenly dimension. And Paul and the entire biblical witness would say that you and I are not living in touch with reality if we're not accounting for all four dimensions. Paul wants us to not be naive. Paul doesn't want us to get battered about during our week and not know where things are coming from. And so uh, if we don't want to be naive, Paul calls us to live out of these four dimensions of reality. All of us are affected by what's going on in these four dimensions of reality, even if we only acknowledge two of them. Even if we only acknowledge two, we're still going to be affected by the other two because all of us participate in the spirit realm. It's, uh, it's like being a disciple. Everybody is a disciple. Everybody follows someone or something. It could be uh, Jesus. It could be Joe Biden. The, the, the question is never, am I going to be somebody's disciple? Um, the, the question is always, of all the people and the things that I could follow, what am I going to follow? Who am I going to pattern my life after? It's the same with the spirit world. 
All of us participate in the spirit world. The question is never, am I going to be influenced by a spirit? The question is, of all the spirits of the age, including the Holy Spirit, which spirit is going to influence my life? There's, there's, this, there's this divine reality at work all around us in every aspect of our human reality, and Jesus wants us to know that there's this harmony. harmony. We could live into it right here and right now, but we're also supposed to know that not everyone in the, in the four dimensions welcomes what Jesus is up to in the world. There are forces at work that resist what Jesus is up to in the world. Paul tells us that the devil schemes against us. So this last word from Ephesians is about these fallen spiritual powers that resist the way of Jesus, and they plot against anybody who's working to advance Jesus' purposes in the world. So for Jesus followers who don't want to live naive of, of this reality, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And I love that because Paul's not telling us to get spooked or to get afraid or to, 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 to be discouraged. He says, no, 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 no. In light of all this, I want you to know that you can be strong. You can be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. But in the Lord, you and I are only going to be strong in the Lord. You and I are no match for the enemy of the gospel. Um, New Testament scholar William Lane tells us, he says, it's tactical suicide to underestimate the strength of the enemy. And um, I would add, it's tactical suicide to overestimate our ability to stand on our own, in our own strength, in our own wisdom, in our own ideas and power. If, if anybody in your life ever starts bragging about how they're going toe-to-toe with the devil, just, just back away. Just give them some space because they're an idiot and, and it, that's just going to blow up in their face. Uh, if, they're, if they're getting cocky or, or weird in any way about that, just give them some space. Um, we are strong in the Lord, not in and of ourselves. So Paul says, in order to be strong in the Lord, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Our, um, our Ephesian glasses sh- have shown us all kinds of things uh, throughout this letter, but one of the things now that they want, that, that these, these glasses can give us is Paul wants us to see that Jesus gives us protection and weapons for this struggle, for what's going on in the unseen realm. But we need a very different kind of armor because it's a very different kind of enemy and it's a very different kind of battle. So there's, there's, like lots of armor, there are both defensive and offensive pieces to this armor. There's five defensive. There's the belt, there's the breastplate, there's the shoes, there's the shield, and then there's the helmet. And then there's two offensive pieces. There's the sword of the spirit and prayer in the spirit. And we're going to spend some time walking through all of these, but, um, but I couldn't help thinking about um, in college, um, we had this full-length mirror on our door of our, of our dorm room, and my roommate, um, his nickname was DMX, there's a whole story there, uh, but DMX would uh, commission me on a weekly basis to do a weekly soap drawing on the full-length mirror. And um, he would have me draw different kinds of armor on the mirror that then, before he went out into the day, he could look into his reflection and kind of step into this armor and see himself clothed in the armor of God. And so sometimes it would be like a Roman soldier or it would be like a medieval knight. Um, my favorite one was Batman. That one was great. Um, but, but the idea was that only once he stood in the mirror and saw himself dressed in armor would then he then go out the door into his day uh, to take on his organic chemistry class, which is a whole other battle uh, in and of itself. But, um, but I, I just, uh, I, I, gotta, I gotta reach out to him and call him and say, say do you remember that? Uh, but, uh, but that was fun. Um, before today, I, uh, we all have different levels of familiarity with this 
armor of God. But um, finally, it out to be Jesus himself. But what Paul wants us to know is that this full armor of God actually turns out to be Jesus himself. This armor is not something that Jesus gives us apart from himself and says, here you go, battle on, you got this, uh, I'll be cheering from you, for you from over here. As it turns out, the armor that Jesus wants us to wear is his, 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 his very self. Um, that might be a brand new thought for you to picture this armor of God, but Paul has, he, he's always telling us to clothe ourselves with Christ. Um, in, a, in Galatians 3, verse 27, Paul writes, all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And then in Colossians 3, 10 to 11, Paul tells us that we have put on this new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. And what's this new self look like? What's the image? He says, it's Christ who is all and is in all. And then the most poignant example is Romans 13, 12 to 14. Paul says, let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. This armor that God equips us with turns out to be Jesus himself. The way that you and I are strong in the Lord is by putting on Christ himself. And so from now on, let's dress ourselves in this armor, but let's do it knowing that we are clothing ourselves with Jesus. So the first defensive piece, and we're going to talk through each of these pieces of armor, and then we're going to prayerfully put it on uh, to say, Jesus, if there's any way that I have not clothed myself with you and who you are, now cover me in this aspect of who you are. Now cover me in this part of my life. So the first defensive piece is the belt of truth. You and I are not going to be able to stand in this fight unless we buckle around ourselves truth. As Jesus followers, Paul just told us that the devil schemes against us, and he has a particular strategy in regards to the truth. It usually comes in the form of a question that we heard at the earliest part of the story uh, in Genesis, where the question is, did God really say that? Did God really say? We, we neglect this piece of armor when we're giving into the temptation to question God's motives when it comes to something that God has made really clear. But we, we believe the whispers, we believe the lie that's saying, hey, did God really say that? Is that really what's going on there? Are you sure you really need to obey him in that way? That sounds a little extreme. Why would God say that? Why would God ask that of me in light of everything I'm going through, in light of all that I've already done for him, in light of, why would, why would God, why would you go there? Or, or some of us, when we're thinking about our friends, God, why would you ask that of my, my friend? I, I don't think they're going to want anything to do with Jesus if they know that this is part of what much, so I'm not going to, as Lord, of every part of their life. I think this is going to turn them away. It's going to be too much, so I'm not going not to get into that part. And so we play games with the truth. We don't share the whole truth. Did God, did God really say that? Really? Are you sure? And you and I are especially vulnerable to compromise on the truth in those times in our life when there's some relational distance between us and Jesus. That's, that's when we're the most vulnerable. We, because we haven't been with him for a while, we haven't been walking close with him, haven't been hearing his voice, haven't had times of just intimacy and friendship with God, those are the times when we're most vulnerable to doubt what God has said. Those are the times when we're doubting that God's purposes for us are good because we haven't been close for a while. Earlier in the letter, Paul told us, you heard about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. And Jesus himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, 
I am the life. Which means that just like this armor, truth is more than just a thing. It's not, truth is not just a thing that we know. Truth is a person that we trust. And you can only trust somebody that you're in a relationship with. And so we put on truth to the degree that we're walking closely with Jesus, who is truth. So let's just take a moment to pause and, and just ask God before we go any further. God, is there any way that I'm in a vulnerable position in my life in this battle because there's a part of my life where I, I'm struggling to trust you to be true? And if that's the case, you could pray, God, help me to close the gap between me and Jesus because Jesus is the truth. Jesus, we, we put on the belt of truth. We clothe ourselves with you. You are truth. And if you agree, if that's your prayer, say amen. So then, the breastplate of righteousness. You and I stand protected when we put on righteousness. Now, I know that's kind of like a biblical, high theological, churchy kind of word, righteousness, but it, it essentially means you're friends with God, that God's cleared the ground. Anything that stood between you and God, now you are righteous. You've been set right, and you can be friends with God. But what, is, what does Paul mean when he, say, when he says put on righteousness? Does, does he mean um, put on the righteousness which God has established for us in Jesus? The, this just like, we put on this assurance that we've been reconciled to God? Or when he says put on righteousness, is he talking about our life? Is he talking about living rightly, living right, righteously, living in, a, in accordance with the way God uh, wants things for our lives? Or does he mean both? I think he means both. The, the breast actually living out of both, being reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, but then actually living out of that righteousness as new people. Now, we have to put this piece of armor on because the enemy's scheme in regards to righteousness is to, to question that we really have been set right with God. The, the, the enemy loves to drag out our past sin out into the open. I, I picture just like a rat that just like loves to just go through the garbage and just dig stuff out, and you're just like, what are you doing? That's, that's long gone. I've forgotten about that, but he just loves to dig that stuff up and go, I don't know. Let's not forget about this. Let's talk about this. He loves to accuse our conscience. He loves to suggest that because of sin, God has rejected us and no longer loves us and then loves to influence us to believe if we could just work harder to make ourselves holy, then the Father will tolerate us. Then God will love us. But prove it, earn it, do more. But putting on the breastplate of righteousness means I have put on Jesus who has reconciled me to God. I am acquitted of my sins. I'm loved by God the Father. I am called to live like Jesus and I am empowered by the Holy Spirit to do just that. And my life rests on the finished work of Jesus. Not what I'm doing, but what Jesus has done. And so, by grace, now I actually can live out a life that pleases God. So take a moment and let's just ask if there's any way that we've been particularly vulnerable in this area of our life. Is, is there any way, God, that, that you're calling me to trust in the righteousness of Jesus? And then to live a righteous life. Jesus, we put on the breastplate of righteousness. We clothe ourselves with you. You are righteousness. And if that's your prayer, if that's what you want, say amen.
All right, so now the gospel shoes of peace. I like this one. We, we stand in this battle with our feet prepared with the gospel of peace. Everywhere we go, everywhere we're sent. Paul is a Jew, and so his understanding of peace comes from that beautiful Hebrew word shalom. Try saying that, shalom. Shalom is when God establishes harmony between us and him, and then it's a harmony that affects all of our other relationships, our relationships with ourself, with other people, and with, with the whole of creation. And Jesus has reconciled us to God so that we can then reconcile others. When God gives us shalom, then we're then equipped to bring that shalom everywhere that we walk. We're no longer passive. We're no longer on the defensive, but we go, if there's any places in our lives that are lacking harmony with God, if there's any people in our life that are lacking harmony with God, we now have this confidence to bring God's peace, to bring God's shalom to that place. So what are the people and the places that come to mind when you think that's a person, that's a place that's lacking harmony with God? Whatever comes to mind, know that you can walk into that space and into that relationship with gospel confidence and you can be a peacemaker. You can be a shalom bringer to that place, to that environment. The devil schemes against us trying to create strife and division and suspicion and fear of the other in our relationships. And we would be foolish to try to work for peace in this neighborhood where we work in our relationships, just trying to do this out of our own intelligence, out of our own best ideas, out of our own charisma. When, when we go um, just a few blocks away uh, to, to visit our unhoused neighbors uh, in the, uh, on the freeway overpass, um, we'd be foolish to not pray ahead of time. But we go into that space going, God, I know that it's more, there's more going on in the world than just folks who are in addiction or poverty or homelessness or trauma in different ways. That is at work, but also there's a spiritual realm and there are people, there are beings that resist what you're up to in these, in the, in these di different people's lives. And so I want to be a shalom bringer here, but I also want to know that I need you to bring this reconciliation. I need to know that there's more going on than just what I can see. And so we, we, we put on that armor before we go into that environment. Jesus is our shalom, and so you and I can move from the peace that he's established for us, and we can actually bring real peace wherever we go. So uh, take a moment, pause, ask God, is there any way, God, in which I, I haven't put this armor on, where I need to actually move deeper into the reconciliation that you've made with me so that then I can make reconciliation for others and in other places that are lacking that harmony, lacking that shalom? Jesus, we put on the shoes of gospel peace. We clothe ourselves with you. You are peace. If you agree, if that's your prayer, if that's your desire, say amen. All right, and then there's, there's the shield of faith. The kind of, I like this picture, he just is like, bring it. Uh, but the, 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 the kind of shield that Paul has in mind, it's got two layers of wood, uh, one layer wrapped in linen, and then the whole thing wrapped in leather. And it covered most of the soldier's body to hold it in front of them, and it was especially designed to protect the Roman soldier from the most terrible weapon of the day, which was arrows that were dipped in pitch and then lit on fire. Um, it's been a while since this movie came out, but you've, you've seen this terrible weapon at work if you saw the opening battle sequence of the movie Gladiator and just the, 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 just the chaos that ensues from, from this weapon. It's, uh, but this is actually a reality that all of us have experienced. 
Jesus' enemy is bent on destroying anything that Jesus has created and redeemed, and so he's always shooting at us. Most of the time, we don't realize when, that the enemy is shooting at us. Um, we're just thinking about things that are going on in the material realm that we can see, and, 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 and we put the source there. But um, the enemy shoots arrows of accusation, anger fantasies, slander, lust, condemnation, doubt in the goodness of God, lots of other ways. But this week, who just by a nod of your head or putting your hand up, you'd say, yeah, I've, I've been shot at this week. Some of those arrows uh, feel kind of, yeah, uh-huh. I, I, I want to apologize. Like, like, like we're going through this biblical book, and, 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 and it, it happens more often than not that whatever I'm preaching about is the theme of my week, but it just, as I've talked to different ones of you, it seems like that was the theme of your week too. And I'm like, I'm sorry, um, but also we're trying to preach through this thing. But, um, but yeah, yeah. This has, been, this has been a week. Preaching about spiritual warfare is spiritual warfare. And uh, so what, ex- but it, what extinguishes these, these darts is the shield of faith. And faith is a relational word. Um, if, if faith, if you, if you don't really connect with that word, if it seems kind of distant from you, just substitute the word faith with the word trust and you're, you're getting the same thing. Um, we, our faith is uh, in a person. Our trust is in a person. Our faith is in a faithful person. That's how we apply this shield of faith. We say, Jesus, my trust, my faith is in you. You are my shield. But we can also recover faith in the presence of other people of faith. We can build faith in each other. Some of us are having a great week, and we're just inspired and feeling just like just full of life and encouraged, and other of us, others of us are wiped out, and we're not meant to carry that stuff by ourselves. If, if, we're, if we're really carrying a burden, we're meant to share that with one another so we can help each other carry those burdens. But also, if we're carrying something really good, really encouraging, really life-giving, we all, that's, not, that's too good to keep to ourselves, and other people need that. So I just wanted to ask by just a head nod or putting up your hand, who, who has a recent example of God's faithfulness in their life where you're like, I, I've, I've, God's actually uh, shown me in my life or something that you're just like, I, I've actually got a, an example of how God's been really faithful. Who's, any, is it, does anybody have that? Our, our, our faith grows when we tell faithfulness stories. That's another way to shield ourselves with faith because we're reminding, we're reminding each other of God's character. And it's okay if, if you're wiped out right now. You might need somebody else to tell a faithfulness story, and it'll be your turn at another, at, an, at another time. But this is a way that we can help each other put on the shield of faith and go, you know what, despite my questions or how I've been beat up this week, here's who God is. Here's who God's been in this person and this person's life. And then there's the helmet of salvation. This one's really important to me lately. Um, our enemy loves to play head games with us. Um, a, a few weeks ago, I just, I just hung out in the bathroom while Sarah brushed her teeth. I, I, just, I was just in there. I wasn't really saying much. I, just, I didn't want to be alone with my own thoughts, and I just let her know, like, I'm just going to hang out in here um, while you brush your teeth. I just don't want to be by myself. Um, I, I'm an unfinished, incomplete person, just like the rest of you, and um, Jesus has been teaching me to remind my mind, to put on this helmet of salvation, um, and, and what, what God's been teaching me is that my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions, they are valid, but they are not always accurate. They are not always the full picture of what's going on. How I might be feeling or thinking in that moment, it might not be how I feel or think about it 
later. I might be going through a hard time right then. There might be, I'm, I'm, my, my mind and my thoughts, I might, it might really be a battleground in my thoughts right then, but relief will come. I won't always see it that way. I won't always feel it that way. But um, more often than not, I can just let myself just get thrown back and forth by what's swirling around in my head instead of saying, uh, Jesus, I'm, I'm putting way too much weight and trust in this, and I actually need your perspective, your thoughts on who I am. The, the, the helmet of salvation in a lot of ways is God's way of securing our identity. Uh, if our identity is based in what we think or what we feel, we're, we're going to get, get beat up. We're going to get thrown all over the place in all different kinds of ways and just feel really defeated. Um, we instead have to know my thoughts, my feelings, they're, they're valid, but they might not be the full picture. They might not be accurate for what's going on right now. And so, Jesus, I got to let you tell me who you are. How do you see me? The, the whole book of the first half of Ephesians is just, is just Paul telling us again and again, this is who you are. This is what God's done. And so we put our trust in what Jesus says, not what I feel or don't feel. And it's okay if as you read the truth of something about who Jesus says you are and what God's done, it's okay to read that and not like feel it, for it to not like affect you in that moment. And to, you know, just because somebody, you know, sent you a helpful Bible verse or whatever, and maybe, maybe it's not breaking through. That's okay. Maybe later you will feel it and really feel that you've like received the truth of it, but faith is not about whether or not you feel trust in, in Jesus. It's not about if, 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 you, if, you, if you, yeah, if, if you just know that something's true. Faith a lot of times is, is, is just about if you and I are willing to respond as if what God says is true. And just to go, God, I trust you actually despite what I feel about this. I trust you despite what I think about this. I'm pressing ahead, and you can know that maybe what, how you feel or think about that situation is not permanent. It, it, it could change. God could open your eyes. God could, 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 could get you out of that valley. But um, the helmet of salvation is Jesus' way of establishing our identity in who he is and in his finished work. And so let's remind our minds, say this, in Jesus, I am saved. Try it again. In Jesus, I am saved. Which means I am forgiven, I'm reconciled, I am adopted, I am a beloved son or daughter. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit by God through the grace that comes to the saving work of Jesus. Say this In Jesus, I am being saved. You and I are not a finished product. We're, we're, we're people in, 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 in process. God has us on a path. The Spirit is transforming and cleansing us. What He started, He's going to finish, but we're still in the middle. But God is using every circumstance in our lives to mold us into a new creation. Say this, in Jesus, I will be saved. The creator God intends that with all of creation that we're going to be set free from the power of bondage and sin and decay. Those things do not get the last word in our lives. Jesus gets the last word. History has a final goal and destination, and history is not up for grabs. Jesus is going to set all things right. He's going to make all things new. Jesus commands my destiny. So Jesus, if there's any way that we particularly feel just vulnerable in, in this way with our thoughts, with our identity. We want to put on the helmet of salvation. We clothe ourselves with you. You are salvation. If you agree, 
If that's your desire, say amen. amen. Okay, that's our defense. Now we're going to talk about our offense. Two pieces. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and praying at all times in the Spirit. Say this with me. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. As you and I work for renewal in Oakland, we don't stand firm in the fight just by throwing more money at problems and issues that we see. We don't rely on just better techniques or strategy or talent or charisma. This is what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians. He says, For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What breaks your heart? What makes you angry? Where do you want to see the kingdom of God breaking in and bringing rescue and life and renewal? To demolish a spiritual stronghold, you need spiritual weapons. So Paul says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus himself wielded this sword in his own fight. When he was tested by the Satan, three times in the wilderness, Jesus says, it is written. That is how he stood firm. That's how he resisted. On, when the religious establishment hassled him, again and again, he would take them back to Scripture and say, it is written. On the cross, six of Jesus' last statements from the cross are from Scripture. Speak the word of God into a situation where there's brokenness or darkness. Speak the word of God and something happens in the spiritual realm. Whenever disciples of Jesus take up their sword and they speak its message, Human beings are hearing in the human realm, but also so are spiritual forces in the, in the spiritual realm, and things begin to shift. Things begin to happen. And this explains why the powers work so cleverly and constantly to keep us out of our Bibles. A closed Bible on a shelf is a threat to nobody. But if you open it and if you speak its living and active word, the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places start to squirm. To demolish a spiritual stronghold, you need spiritual weapons. So we take up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Say this with me, word and prayer. This is how we go to war. When we pray according to the new reality that's been established by Jesus, we are saying that the things that are at work in our city, in our country, in our relationships, are not the way they're supposed to be. And they are not the, the way that they one day will be. When we, when we pray like this, we are bringing the rebellious spiritual powers to the throne of the one who's been victorious over those powers, and we let him deal with those powers. We don't come in our own strength and our own name and our own ability, but we say, Jesus, I'm bringing these fallen spiritual powers before you. You deal with this which is why the powers work constantly to keep us off of our knees, to keep us out of prayer, deceiving us into thinking that we're too busy to pray, or uh, sometimes that's how it affects me. Other times, it's like a, it's like a fuel to the ego to think, I, I, don't, I don't really need to pray about this. I don't really need to spend time in that. I actually know what to do. Here's, here's my list of things. Here's my approach. Here's what I'm going to do. I, I got this, and, and maybe I'll pray later when I, when I don't know what to, to do, but actually in this situation, I know what to do. I got this. Say it again. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Our struggle in the human realm, in the material realm, has deep ties to the spiritual realm. 
And so the spiritual weapons of God's word and prayer are how you and I break down the spiritual strongholds that are resisting Jesus' way of bringing life and renewal to a world that he loves. And so finally, from now on, as a church, we need to be praying for God to break down strongholds that are at work in our lives and in our relationships and in Oakland. No longer are we passive. No longer are we on the defensive. No longer are we just throwing our hands up in the air saying, this is too big for me. No, Jesus has work for us to do. He wants us to partner with him in this way. This is how you and I go to war, word and prayer. And so we're going to actually try this as a church community. Um, and here's, here's how we'll do this. Um, we'll, make, we'll make some declarations relative to how the spiritual powers are at work in our city. And along the way, if you agree with that declaration, then you'll say, yes, Lord. And then as we pray, we're bringing those spiritual powers that are responsible before the feet of Jesus the King and say, Jesus, you have the power to deal with this. Break down this stronghold. And if you agree in that moment with what's being prayed, you say, amen. So um, I'm going to pray against the spiritual stronghold of drug addiction that's at work in our city. And then after that, we're going to circle up into a, a couple different parts of the room uh, to pray over some other areas of human brokenness that, that we want to be praying about. So um, I want to invite up the worship team. And then the rest of us, if we could all stand, we're going to pray. So here is our prayer declaration. We declare that the powers, human and demonic, visible and invisible, behind illegal and destructive drugs in Oakland are accountable to Jesus Christ. And we declare that the powers are no match for Jesus Christ and that he's more powerful and that he can set the captives free. If you agree, say, yes, Lord. So, Lord, we bring these powers before your throne and we ask you to break the grip that they have on people. If you agree, say amen. Lord, we ask you to expose those in our cities who sell and create drugs in our city, and we ask you to break the back of their empires. If you agree, say amen. amen. Lord, we ask you to free men and women and boys and girls from this evil. Free drug dealers and traffickers from this evil, that they would no longer be numb to what happens when they sell drugs to people. They are also prisoners of evil. Set them free. If you agree, say amen. So now we're going to group up around some different prayer areas. Different, different ones of us in the room have had different things on our hearts specifically. We're in an area of human brokenness where we wanted to say, God, if there's any way that there's fallen spiritual powers behind this in any way, we want people to experience life and freedom and forgiveness and your truth 